When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. Money Pit is presented by the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the Angie app, and Kohler Power. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on the projects inside and outside of your house you want to get done this fall. So if there is one on your to-do list, and we know there is because, heck, we've all got those lists that just seem to grow and sometimes never end. Old mine, mine tend to extend before they end with the last set. So they're just sort of rolling over all the time. There's always something to do, but I guess, you know, it keeps me out of trouble or it gets me into it one, one way or the other. But if you've got a project list and uh, you need some help getting started, give us a call at one eight 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 money pit or post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask. Coming up on today's show, you know, few things better to find an upscale kitchen like a commercial range. They are beautiful. They're beefy. They're just so impressive. So we're going to share some tips on how to choose a pro-style range that will boost your cooking powers and your home's resale value. And, you know, not all home improvements deliver the same return on investment, but... Oh, come on. We know a man cave does, right? It always does. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's top, <laughs> top, top, top of the list, followed closely behind by She Shed. So definitely, <laughs> those are two huge improvements. <laughs> and let's not forget the We Shed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we're going to actually ask the experts over at Consumer Reports, and we're going to find out the one that really does deliver a fantastic return on investment, and you wouldn't be surprised to learn that it's a home standby generator. So we're going to look at these convenient personal power plants. Maybe you've got one at your she shed or he shed or man cave, whatever you want to call it. But either way, putting in a whole home standby generator, that is a definite excellent return on investment. So we'll find out more about that. And are you looking for more storage space to hide the clutter in your home? I mean, who isn't? Well, you know, you got nooks, you got crannies, and you got other untapped turf, and everybody's got this space in their home, and it's kind of hiding in plain sight. So we're going to give you some tips on where to look to pick up some not-so-hidden storage space and make it really work well for you. But first, whether you are doing or dreaming, whatever that project is, we can help you make your home everything that you want it to be. So give us a call, shoot us an email, post your question, whatever it is, we are standing by to lend a hand. This is the perfect home improvement season. The weather is great for projects both inside and out. So let us help you get all of those projects started before the big holiday hurrahs are, you know, right around the corner. They're about to happen. So let's get your house ready. Two ways to do just that. You can go to moneypit.com slash ask or call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Kathy in California, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? In our rental, we have a, a big wall of brick where the fireplace is. 
And um, it's a dark corner, and I was wondering if we would be able to paint that brick without a whole lot of trouble to brighten it up in that corner. You can paint it, but you better be sure it's what you want to do, right, right Leslie? Yeah. I mean, painting brick is, it, it's kind of irreversible. Once you put the paint on, because the brick is so porous, it's just going to get sucked into, like, every little interior nook and cranny of that brick. So should you ever decide that you would like it to be brick again, it's a lot of stripping and sandblasting. It's a big to-do. So you want to make sure that that's something you really want to do. I mean, if it's, like, just the ugliest brick ever, I get it. Well, it's the only way to lighten up the that area that I can think of. It's like a corner? It's like a corner of the living room, but it's one wall of the living room. It's the whole wall right up next to the sliding glass door. So all the way over to the sliding glass door is all brick from floor to ceiling. Have you thought about putting mirrors, like an assorted group of mirrors, or adding a different light fixture? I mean, there are ways that you can brighten the space with decoration. I hadn't thought of the mirrors. That might be a good idea. I mean, if you do like a cute cluster, almost like a little gallery grouping of different size and shape mirrors and mixing metals and you know, doing something really purposeful and fun and creating a moment, like that's a great way to do it. There's no electrical in the ceiling. You don't need electrical in the ceiling. There are plenty of pendant lamps that plug into an outlet that you can use a swag that is how it's called. Swag? swag. Yeah. <laughs> swag right? Yeah, I think so. Um. You can do something like that, and there—I mean—there are really great ways to do that. You plug in a light fixture, and then suddenly you have a beautiful, like, mini chandelier or something. There are so many. If you look online for decorative light fixture with a plug-in, like with a plug, you'll find so many. Okay. And then make sure you can get one of those things that looks like a scrunchie that you wrap over the electrical cord itself, so it hides just the wiring. And I mean, it's really easy to do. All right, I'll think on on those lines. Yes. Easier than painting. There's even sconces that are plug-in. So you can create like a whole little gallery thing with mirrors and plug-in sconces and really brighten up that space. Okay. Thank you, guys. James and George is on the line with a new home that's coming with a stinky scent. Tell us what's going on. Just got a home that had obviously been smoked in, not only cigarettes, but cigars from the Ugh. previous owner. Oh, yuck. And, yeah, and it, it, it is it is horrible, you know, and... um you know, made my teenager just kind of sick even being in there. So, you know, I was going to do a slight remodel before we moved in anyway. I mean, I knew, I knew maybe pull the carpet out. But other than that, um, I'm kind of at a loss. I didn't know, well, will painting help? Um, should I clean the ductwork? Or I'm just kind of really at a loss on maybe what I could do to get rid of the smell. The problem is that that smoke, it's into everything. So are we talking about the entire house here, or is it just one room? Oh, no, no, it's the entire house. So... In order to really clean out that smell, you would have to pull the carpet. I mean, you could have it clean, but I suspect that it, it, you know, there's still going to be some residual. And then once you pull the carpet, then you have to paint the subfloor underneath the carpet because yeah, the smoke lock that soaks, odor in. soaks in. Yeah. So you need to use like a primer quality paint to seal in that smoke odor. You need to do the same thing with the walls and ceilings. They have to be washed and then reprimed. And of course, you got to get rid of the, any drapes or any other fabrics that around. Well, even wallpaper. Yeah, that's a good point. Even wallpaper can soak it in. Yeah, I noticed there was wallpaper in a couple of the rooms. Yeah, and that all... So I, I think you're just going to have to tackle it, uh, you know, one step at a time. But basically, the smoke gets into everything, and you have to pull out those materials and seal underneath them in order to try to clear it. 
Okay. And do you guys have any recommendations? Is there any way like to clean the duct work or anything? I just didn't well, want to spend a bunch of money on you, all the rest I mean, of it. The, and the, it duct, just the duct work may just be dusty. I don't know that that's going to be the biggest problem. I think you're going to find that most of this odor is, is not so much the duct work. Cause the duct work is metal. You know, it doesn't really soak in stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to find most of this is going to be in the drywall and in the subfloor and in the carpet and in those surfaces. And that's why they have to be cleaned and primed and then repainted. Something like with a uh, seal, sealer primer? Yeah, I would recommend that you use like an oil-based primer for this because it really does a good job of sealing in whatever's underneath it. And and that will be all you need at the subfloor. You can carpet back over that or put whatever flooring down you want over that. But for the walls, you can go ahead and prime them in, and then you could do a top layer of paint over that. But you got to do that first. I would use a, a solvent-based or oil-based primer for it, okay? Awesome. Thank you, guys. I greatly appreciate you taking yes, the Yes, you're very welcome. Sorry that happened to you, and good luck with that project. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring, we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Heading out to Illinois, we've got Laura on the line who's looking to do a project with oil-based paint, but finding out it's not available in the state. What's going on? Uh, my ceilings are painted with oil-based paint, and we now live in the state of Illinois, and they say they do not sell oil-based paint, and I'm wondering how I can paint my ceilings. Laura, we're hearing more and more uh, questions like this from those that live in states where uh, oil-based or solid solvent-based paint is becoming more restrictive. You know, I understand that it's still available. It's expensive, uh, sometimes only in smaller quantities. But in your case, when we're talking about a ceiling, I think as long as you clean that ceiling well, then you can use a latex-based or an alkyd-based uh, primer, like Kills has a good quality primer that's water cleanup, and that would give you the same quality finish. And, you know, we got to remember that the, the primer is sort of the glue that makes that paint stick. And so as long as you have a clean surface and you use a good quality alkyd primer, I think you should be okay. And you could put ceiling paint on top of that, which, by the way, also has different qualities to it. So make sure you look for ceiling paint. And my recommendation, Leslie, with this is to always use flat. Because if you use anything with a sheen, you're going to see those defects, right? Those like nail pops and stuff. Well, I mean, anything with a sheen is going to make any imperfections super obvious. So once something starts to kind of go awry, you're going to notice before you would with the flat paint. So I would definitely recommend a lesser sheen when possible. Well, few things define an upscale kitchen like a commercial range. You know, those heavy cast iron grates, the beefy knobs, the high BTU burners. The pro-style range has become the modern day hearth. It really is the focal point in your home's main gathering space. 
Now, of course, a serious stove can boost your cooking powers too, not to mention your home's resale value. So what do you need to know if you're looking at one of these brawny beauties for your kitchen? Well, they do add a very dramatic look to your kitchen, but you know, Leslie, they're actually not commercial ranges because commercial ranges don't have the same level of insulation and they can actually be unsafe. They get too hot for a wood-framed house. They need special fireproofing. So instead, manufacturers offer what is generally called a pro-style range. In other words, a commercially styled range, but it's not really the same range that you might see in a kitchen. And they're scaled also to fit sort of the standard depth counters, which that wouldn't apply if it was really a commercial range. And they've got beefed-up insulation to keep them safe. Now, their biggest burner still blast out like an amazing 18,000 to 25,000 BTUs, which is huge because a basic range uh, on high is like 12,000 BTUs. I mean, that's pretty huge. That's a big increase. Imagine how quickly you can boil some water there. I mean, kind of like that. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're thinking about adding this pro-style range to your kitchen, what are some of the things that you need to be considering? Well, I think first and foremost, we need to talk about size because many of these pro-style ranges come in standard widths. So you're looking at 30, 36, 48, 60-inch widths. Now, the larger widths generally mean that you're going to get more burners or other cooktop options, you know, maybe like a griddle or some grills or just even more space, too. But that cost, I mean, you can expect to pay anywhere from $3,500 to $20,000 for a pro-style range. You know, it all really depends on the size, the features, the models, et cetera. But generally, that's going to be your price point. Now, with fuel options, you know, pro-style burners are always gas. They can be paired with a gas or an electric oven. You know, the latter option, if you do go gas for a burner and electric for the oven, that's going to be known as a dual fuel option. And electric ovens, they do offer more cooking modes and some of them more even heat. But that does add some money to the cost, sometimes as much as $2,000. Now, some cooks just prefer gas ovens for their moisture heat, but most pro-style gas ovens aren't self-cleaning, and those that do cost more. So there's a lot of different options, you know, that you've got to consider that do add to the cost. And installation is also a lot different than a standard range, starting with ventilation. Pro-style power produces pro-style humidity. It also produces pro-style odor and carbon monoxide and all that sort of stuff if something goes wrong. And if a recipe goes wrong, it's also going to produce all that much more smoke. So with all that in mind, a vent hood that exhausts to the outside is an absolute must. And the more BTUs the range puts out, the more air that blower needs to be able to move. Now, think about this. Because you're taking so much air out of the kitchen, you have to also add air into the kitchen. So sometimes they also need what's known as make-up air, another place where air from the outside can pull back in. And it can be done in such a way as to not waste too much energy in terms of taking in hot air in the in the summer or cold air in the winter. But all of this has to be considered. So it's definitely not... Uh, something that a DIYer should be doing. Also, you need to check your supply line. Most pro-style ranges need a bigger gas line. And don't forget about this. Measure it. You know how every once in a while you hear about the ships that are too big to get out of the port? Wasn't uh, the Amazon guy, Bezos, wouldn't he, didn't, he, didn't he order a yacht that couldn't get out of the port or something? Or they'd take a bridge apart or something like that? <laughs> I mean, your little version of that might be ordering your, your, you know, your dream pro-style range and find out that it doesn't fit in your door. So make sure you measure your front door or your slider or wherever you plan on getting it in so, so that doesn't become a hindrance. Yeah, that's definitely something to consider because that would be the worst. Could you imagine you get this beautiful range and then you can't get it inside? (laughs) All right, now we've got Bobby on the line who's dealing with a water issue in Virginia. Tell us what's happening. So after uh, some, you know, heavy rains we had uh, last year, I noticed, I 
I just walked down in the basement and it just, it wasn't a lot of water. It just picture taking a gallon of water and walking around, you know, and just pouring it out as you go. And right. I, I'm pretty sure it's hydrostatic pressure that's just pushing the water up through the cracks and through the cinder, cinder block. And I've tried, right. um, I can't remember the, the paint that you paint the cinder block wall. Dry lock? Dry lock. Dry yes, lock. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. and I know there's a lot of moisture behind the wall because where I painted it again, uh, it's starting to flake off. And that, right. that just tells yeah. me there's a lot of moisture buildup. Yep. So, all right. So, look, there's two ways to approach a, a leak like this. You're going with the idea that you can basically make your house float, and you can't. <laughs> You're trying to seal those walls as if it was the hull of a boat, and that's not going to happen. But you've told me something very, very important, and that is that this is a problem that happens when it rains heavily or it gets worse after heavy rain. And that gives me the answer, which is a very, very simple one, and that is simply this. Your water is sourcing from bad drainage right outside your foundation perimeter. It's not a rising water table, and basically what's happening is either your gutters are clogged, your gutters are undersized, your downspouts are are discharging right near the foundation corners, not extended out, and with water allowed to collect around the house like that, the water will just leak through those very porous walls and start to show up in the basement. Now, it can come through the walls or it can go under the floor and show up as a little geyser. Same problem, same source, and that is grading and drainage. I'd like you to go to moneypit.com and right on the homepage, one of our most popular articles is how to stop a basement from leaking. There's 10 or 12 articles featured there. Find the one about basements and read it carefully. You'll be amazed at how simple this is to fix. A lot less work than what you've done thus far, my friend. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm actually currently working on the gutter situation. I'm extending those a little bit farther out away from the house. I'm trying to get positive drainage, you know, and all that good stuff. And I just, I just wonder if, if a sump pump would be, I guess, the best route, or I'm, I guess I'm looking for the best route. Yeah, it's not, because all the sump pump's going to do is pump the water out after it gets there. We're trying to advocate for you to not have it get there in the first place. Now, if, I'll tell you how you can how you can prove this to yourself. If your gutters are clean, if you don't think that they're overflowing because they're they're too small for all the roof water that's that's forming on them. And by the way, it's smart to go out. If you get a heavy rainfall, heavy rain, go out and watch what's happening with the water around your house. It's a real education. <laughs> you know, see where that water is going. Oh, I have. Oh, yeah, I have. And, and I have quite a bit. Right. So what what your experiment could be is simply this: go by yourself. Uh, you know, three or four pieces of leader material, you know, eight foot, 10 foot long, attach it temporarily to the end of that downspout where it comes out and watch what happens when you move all of the water away from the house. You're going to find a dramatic difference in the water that gets in that basement. And once you've proven that to yourself, all you need to do now is figure out how to make it pretty. And that might be by maybe running some underground PVC pipe and having it uh, exit somewhere lower on the property or, or out the curb to manage that water completely. But if you let it collect around the foundation, it's going to go in. Okay? Gotcha. Gotcha. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Good luck, Bobby. Thanks for calling us. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. 
It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. What are you guys working on? Let us lend you a hand. You know, now that it's fall, this really is a great time to clean and seal your driveway before that winter sets in. So how do you do that and what's it going to help you with? First of all, let's talk about how you prep for it. You want to start by cleaning up any oil or gas spills that may have occurred and then go ahead and patch cracks and seal the holes. Then go and apply an asphalt sealer. You're going to find that many are available in a latex formulation, which will be much easier to clean up after. Yeah, and as winter wears on, choose your de-icing treatments carefully and only use those that don't harm vegetation or your concrete walks. I like to mix up a batch of salt and sand in like a five-gallon bucket. I keep it handy right near the door so we can get to it quickly at the first sign of ice. All right, now we welcome Gonzalo, who's trying to seal up things at his house and make it more efficient. How can we help? I recently finished an air sealing project to uh, make my home a little more energy efficient. was able to reduce the CFM 50 from about 3,400 to 1,700, uh, but I'd like to get it lower than that. I'm concerned that one source of infiltration might be an extension that was built into the house, you know, maybe three decades ago. You know, Leslie, it occurs to me that a lot of times when we try to seal up our homes, for many folks, it's really a guessing game, right? Like they're they're attacking the areas that they think are giving them the, the biggest drafts, but it's not always accurate. But you really just can't attack it that way because the drafts are largely invisible, and sometimes when they're coming in one place, they're sourcing from somewhere else, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because there are so many places, so it's interesting to see what's causing a huge air leak and what's causing not so much. So there's a couple of things that you can do to sort of narrow down where the issues are, but there's also some tests that you can have done by the energy company to really see what the issues are. Yeah, and that's my thought exactly. It sounds to me like, you know, he mentioned that he cut his his CFM uh, in half, I'm thinking that maybe he's already doing some uh, energy testing. But what I would do in this case is I would be doing a blower door test. Now, a blower door test is basically just that. They take out your front door, they put in a big frame and a big fan into that door, and they can either pressurize by blowing air in or depressurize by pulling air out 
of a house. And then with tools like a smoke tester, which is a little puffer thing that you go around windows and doors and places you think leaks, and you basically can see which way the air is moving, if it's escaping through the space around the window or escaping around where a building has an addition connected to it, like in your case, Gonzalo, it will show you that. But I would do further investigation with a blower door test. And you might also want to have an infrared inspection done where your walls can be scanned from the inside or the outside to confirm whether or not you have continuous insulation. Because a lot of times insulation is missing in parts of a house uh, or it's settled. So I think those are two things you should explore next in your quest to make your home more energy efficient. And by the way, since you want to make this as tight as possible, you need to be careful not to make it too tight because if you do, you're not going to be able to have clean, healthy air inside to breathe. You need a certain amount of natural ventilation. And so if it gets to that point, then what you do is you use something that's called an air-to-air heat exchanger or a fresh air ventilator, which basically is designed to pull fresh air into the house, uh, but not uh, stress out your heating or your cooling system at the same time. Well, if you're one of the millions of Americans who've suffered a power loss in your home, you may very well have been considering whether you should invest in a home standby generator. Well, it turns out not only can a generator protect your home when the power fails, the experts over at Consumer Reports say it's actually a good investment that returns more value than it costs. That's right. We'll explain why in today's Power Tip presented by Kohler Generators. Now, first up, if you think about it, 2022's relentless power failures have really made this past year one of the most challenging in recent memories. And it's something that's gotten progressively worse over time. In fact, over the last two decades, power outages caused by severe weather have doubled. And as a result, the frequency and duration of power failures are at their highest levels since we started measuring it, which was back in 2013. That's crazy. I mean, that really is crazy. And that's why now is truly the time to consider purchasing a home standby generator. Not only will you be protected when the electricity goes out, but having a generator adds real value to your home when it becomes time for you to sell. Now, according to Consumer Reports, a professionally installed standby generator could increase your home value by approximately 5%. So on a $300,000 home, you could see as much as a $15,000 amount added to the value of your home once you have a generator installed. Yeah, and this is especially true in areas that are more prone to power outages, uh, California, because buyers are typically willing to pay a bit more for a home with a standby generator because of the added peace of mind. So if you install a home generator, you basically have an investment that's going to benefit you immediately. You'll get security, you'll get peace of mind, and it also benefits you when you sell your home. And just like brand name appliances, installing a Kohler home generator is a big selling point. And you guys, right now, listeners who order a unit before November 18th, you'll also get a free 10-year extended warranty. That's a $995 value, and you'll save up to $750 on select models. Now, to learn more and find a dealer near you, just go to PoweredByKohler.com today. PoweredByKohler.com. Once again, that's PoweredByKohler, and that's K-O-H-L-E-R.com. Kohler Generators, backup power from a name you can trust. Karen's on the line, and she's got a question about some unwanted visitors to her money pit. What can we help you with? Well, I thought in the past you mentioned something about um, some kind of a bug zapper that worked outside. Um, And the issue are flies, not like the kind of one they use light to get mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. This is for daytime. Well, the light works in the daytime as well. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a product that called Dynatrap. 
D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P. And the way it works is you, you kind of plug it in all season long, and there's a, a UV light that reacts with a plate uh, of metal. I'm not sure what the material is, but basically when it combines together, it gives off carbon dioxide, so it mimics human breath. And then the insects are drawn to that, and there's a fan that basically pulls them through the, through the unit and deposits them into a basket below where they kind of dry out. So that's the product you're referring to. Um, does it work on flies? I think so, but not as well as it works on mosquitoes, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and boy, does it work on oh, mosquitoes. It really I mean, works amazing. on mosquitoes well. Yeah, and I know those light ones do too, but the issue out in California is actually more flies than uh, mosquitoes because we don't have the moisture. You've got some good science behind it, so I certainly would give it a shot. Okay. And so you said that was called Dynatrap? Yep, D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P, Dynatrap. And do you know where it's sold? No, it's sold everywhere. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in home centers and hardware stores. Or look at their website, which is, I believe, Dynatrap.com. Okay. And how big of an area does it kind of take care of? It depends on the size that you buy. I have actually two units. I have a one-acre unit that's in the back of my house, kind of around our dining area patio. And I actually have a smaller one that I think is rated at a half acre on my front porch, which is the other side of the house because we like to sit out there at night. And I tell you what, it's really created a mosquito-free zone around the entire home. It's amazing how well they do work. You just have to remember to clean it. Okay, thank you so much. Well, if you're looking for storage space in and around your home, there are some places that may hide storage simply because of the way a home is constructed. For example, in my house, I have a staircase And underneath the staircase, I've got unused space. So I framed myself in the closet. And that's been really helpful for storage of our office supplies because my home office kind of backs up to it. Yeah, I mean, that's really clever. But you also have to think about getting creative with alcoves or corners. I mean, everybody's got corners in the house. Alcoves, maybe not so much. But you can add a few simple storage solutions, which can convert even the smallest landings, perhaps, into a sleek workstation. I mean, this is especially valuable if you can't spare a bedroom to create a home office. So you have to think creatively. Now, when it comes to your bathroom spaces, you've got to look up. That space 18 to 24 inches below the ceiling is perfect for a row of decorative wire shelving. I mean, this can give your family space to store a week's worth of bath towels. I always feel like Best intentions. I start off with a beautifully organized bathroom closet with towels, and I think it lasts three, four days. Like, the kids are a disaster, and towels are just strewn everywhere. So if this can help you stay organized and keep things, like, attractively stored, I say go for it. You know, speaking of a week's worth of bath towels, in my house, um, I built a rack because I couldn't find one that was wide enough. I wanted it to be along sort of one wall, not not all the way, but I wanted it to be like the wall that aligns with the bathtub, essentially. So you have the tub, then you have like about another five feet of wall before you hit the door. Well, I wanted a five-foot wide towel rack. So I made it, but I made it out of PVC, out of like one-inch PVC pipe, and I glued it all together, and it looks just like a regular, say, brass or chrome-styled one, um, but it holds all of our towels. The only thing I did different was in the longest portion of the PVC, I put wood dowels in there to give it some strength. So it's inside the pipe. It's kind of like a reinforced. It was just kind of one of these projects where I had a bunch of PVC and I had this idea. So I just didn't need to buy a few more like elbows and stuff. So I did that, just sort of threw it together. I'm like, hey, this could work. And before I knew it, I had myself a DIY towel rack made out of PVC piping. Tony in Missouri is on the line, and he's got a question about getting some extra power, maybe a generator, maybe an extension cord through a window. <laughs> Let's find out what's going on. We live way out in the country, and my wife and I have purchased a 2,000-watt peak generator. 
and of course you don't want to run that in the house. What I'm thinking about doing is running a male outside to female inside socket, if I can, through an outside wall so that we can then plug in a short extension cord and run, you know, small appliances, light bulbs, whatever, inside the house when we, if we have a power outage this winter, which we are somewhat prone to do out here. All right, well, you're on the right track, but this is not a DIY kind of hack-it-together thing. There actually is a product called a transfer switch that's designed for exactly this purpose. They have transfer switches that are designed for big generators, like 20,000 watts. Then they have ones that are designed for very small generators, like 2,000 watts, and it kind of works just like you said. There's an outlet that is inside the house. Uh, it could have a series of, of even a, maybe three or four different circuits that could be on this. Uh, or it could just be, you know, uh, an outlet that's there. And then there's a cord outside that would actually be plugged into the generator to bring that power in. You make a very good point by saying you can't run it inside the house. I want to expand upon that and say you can't even run it in the garage. I mean, anywhere aside from, you know, 10 feet or more away from your house, you should, really shouldn't be using the generator space like that because it can, those carbon dioxide fumes can definitely get back into the building. So I think you're on the right track, but what you want to do is go out and pick up a transfer switch. You can find them online. That's designed for a portable generator, and everything that you've envisioned will be there for you. You won't have to build it yourself, and it'll be a lot safer, too. Okay, sir. Thank you. You're welcome, Tony. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, David reached out, and it kind of sounds like he was trying to do the right thing and got himself in a little hot water. He says, I recently applied a pecan-colored stain to our cedar fence, which is located about 10 feet from the street. Unfortunately, I then received a letter from the Homeowners Association saying that colors were not allowed on cedar fences. Is there a way to remove the stain short of replacing all of the upright boards? Wow. Huh. That's kind of weird. Well, I mean, are they saying you can't do anything to treat your fence? Because even putting a clear finish on it could, you know, result in a slightly different color. Yeah. And it's kind of silly because he's trying to protect it. I'm trying to imagine what is what is what does pecan colored mean to you? Is that like a light brown? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say kind of like hard duty to say, brown. right? <laughs> it's like you know, it's like. <laughs> A yellowy brown that's more on the orangey brown. It's not. I, I don't love it. Well, here's what I think. First of all, in answer to your question, David, it's not easy to remove that if it's at all possible. In fact, I don't think it is because you know, stain on raw wood soaks in like a sponge. So you really can't get the stain out of it. Well, what you could do is you could restain it to match the exact color that the cedar fence is right now. In fact, you could take one of the boards off the fence, bring it into your local paint store. They have color-matching tools there. They could actually color-match a stain to that exact color that your wood is. Well, one thing to keep in mind is you want to color-match against the raw cedar before you stain it. So find a part that's unstained or borrow a board from a neighbor. And you can go to a home center, you can go to a paint store, and they have equipment that can actually match that exactly and then you could state it one more time, and at that point, hopefully, the Homeowners Association will be happy with your choice, because otherwise, you have to pretty much take the boards off and replace them. And even if you do that, with new cedar, it's going to look horrible, because it'll be like new boards against old boards. So I think that's a reasonable solution. All right, next up, we've got a post from Joe, who says, My concrete driveway is about 27 years old and shows sign of wear and harsh winters. 
Besides filling cracks or resurfacing with recap, I'm wondering if laying rubber tiles is a good idea, and will they hold up to Pennsylvania weather? Well, I mean, pavers in general, not not tiles, but they have rubber pavers and that will hold up to Pennsylvania weather, and they have real pavers, concrete pavers, and frankly, I don't. I think the rubber t- the rubber pavers will probably be more expensive. So if you're looking for an alternative, I would suggest you use concrete pavers and not rubber pavers. And I don't even think you can find rubber tiles. So there's not going to hold up, especially if you had to use a any kind of like snow you know snow blower or something like that on on that driveway. I think that's probably the best option. But you know you mentioned recap. It's a quickrete product. If you put that down. That'll be the least expensive way to completely restore that surface, and you'll be good to go for the winter and many more to follow. All right, Joe. Well, the time is now because before you know it, there's going to be a lot of snow on that driveway. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com on a beautiful fall weekend. We hope that you're enjoying this very special time of year when it's not too cold and it's not too hot. You can work inside your house and outside your house. And as those projects come to mind, remember, you can always reach out to us for help at moneypit.com slash ask. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.